Welcome back to the Oasis Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. As a church, we believe that you're made for this, and God has a plan for your life. Here's this week's message. I'm really excited about um, Daniel chapter 5 today. We're in a series, L.A. Needs You. And let me tell you something, L.A. Needs You. Um, L.A. Needs You. And... I feel like what this sermon came from is from this space where people believe L.A. needs what they do, but not you. And so you focus more on what you do than who you are. And what you do needs to be bigger and better than who you are. And I believe, and I've seen it in the church, I've seen it outside the church, that your gifts and talents will lead you to a place that your character cannot keep you. I'm already preaching at this, somebody in the balcony clap for that. That's where the humble people are. They say, Pastor Julian, preach to us. We didn't make it on time to sit down where the prideful people sit. So, you know, I'm just messing with you. So he's already calling us prideful, and I just come here to worship the Lord, not, not to be attacked. So if you have your Bible, turn to Daniel chapter 5. Last week was Daniel chapter 4, if you care. And Nebuchadnezzar uh, went crazy. He was running around with his nails all wild because he dishonored God and took glory that belonged to God. If you were here last week, we talked about Daniel in Daniel chapter 3, which is crazy how you go from chapter to chapter, how much time has passed. Daniel chapter 3, Daniel was 20 years old. Daniel chapter 4, Daniel was 50 years old. As I did my study, I realized now Daniel chapter 5 is 30 years later. Nebuchadnezzar has passed away. They have a new king, Belshazzar. And Bible scholars say Daniel is 80 years old. So he has been serving this wicked kingdom for all of his adult life. In Daniel chapter 1, Daniel would have been 16 or 17 years old, and he has never as adult, as an adult, been outside of the captivity of his Babylonian kings. And Daniel is yet faithfully serving God in a situation where it would be difficult to serve God. In this passage of scripture, Nebuchadnezzar, like I said before, is dead. He has died and a new king has taken his place. And we're going to read a, passenger, uh, a passage of scripture that talks about this huge banquet that King Belshazzar is having. But it's not just that King Belshazzar is having this banquet. It's when he's having this banquet. At this time, uh, uh, the northern part of the, his kingdom, and I believe the, the western part of his kingdom, has already been conquered by the, the Medo-Persian army. If you read Daniel chapter 1, in Daniel chapter 2, there's a prophecy that Daniel gives, Nebuchadnezzar, that the Babylonian empire will fall. This prophecy is almost completed as we are reading Daniel chapter 5. Because the only city that has not yet been conquered by the Medo-Persian empire is the city of Babylon. And this moment is when Babylon decides to have this big feast that we're going to read about. Most Bible scholars agree that at the time that they're having this feast... All of the protective walls of Babylon are surrounded by the Persian army. They would have heard the cries of their neighbors being executed. And, and, and Belshazzar decides it's time to turn up. This alone speaks to the pride. Not pray, not seek God, but almost this arrogance. I've built this powerful city. I've built these walls. Even if the rest of my empire falls, they'll never get over the walls. There would have been two massive 
back-to-back uh, -back walls that no one could get through. And so he's sitting there and he decides to have a party. And, and many Bible scholars believe that this was actually an ordained, ordained festival at that time. And he decided to keep the party going as a, um, uh, the speculation was, as a sign that he is all-powerful, he is all-knowing, we are good. And so this is the context of, what, of what's happening as we read Daniel chapter 5. It says, many years later, King Belshazzar gave a great feast for 1,000 of his nobles, and he drank wine with them. One of the badges of honor of throwing a party back then is that you had enough wine for everyone. Um, Jesus turned water into wine, and they came to Jesus because it was a humiliating thing to run out of wine. Anybody get married and you had a cheap wedding, and as soon as you serve, serve that old cheap white Ziffindale for 20 minutes, you like, you cut it off, and everybody got to buy their own stuff. Oh, oh y'all are too Christian. Y'all didn't serve alcohol at your wedding. Like, we didn't have alcohol in our wedding. We gave everyone a Capri Sun and a prayer manual, and we said, you will pray unto the Lord, and it was Capri Suns and prayers. That's all we had. Um, but back then, they drank a little something, something, you know. And he had wine for a thousand guests, doing it big. And this is the whole premise of this sermon that I feel like the Lord wants me to speak to you today is we talk about LA needs you, but one of the things that we're gonna need to do to fulfill our purpose is we're gonna have to be healed from our obsession of doing it big. Like, some of y'all are actually doing a great job, but because you're not being acknowledged for it, you think you're not in your purpose. I mean the little things. Some of us do the little things. Life isn't always about doing it big. Sometimes life is about doing it little over and over again consistently until what you're doing that is little becomes big. Shout out to the people that are working at Amazon and deliver the packages on time. Shout out to the coffee shop managers. Shout out to the single mothers. Shout out to the dads who haven't missed any of their kids' games. Shout out to people helping their kids with their homework. Shout out to all the little things you do that culture refuses to celebrate. Shout out every time a friend calls you, you pick up the phone. Shout out to those who just diligently and faithfully show up to work on time and do what they're called to do. No one claps, no one celebrates. You're not doing it big, but you still have value. I'd rather be doing it small with God than Belshazzar without him. This is the context of what we're talking about is his whole city is under siege and the only thing he's focused on is doing it big. Is there something in your life that's under siege? Your peace, your hope, your relationship with the Lord? And you're still focused on career goals and not things that you feel called to do, but things that people see. I've been here. This stuff lives in the church, man. You think it's safe here? No, we, we all have Instagrams. We all see people doing it big. And it says, while Belshazzar was drinking the wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver cups that his predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. These are sacred cups, y'all. 
And it said he wanted to drink from them with his nobles, his wives, and his concubines. And so they brought these gold cups taken from the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem. And the king and his nobles and his wives and his concubines drank from them. While they drank from them, they praised their gods made of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. So not only is he not acknowledging that it is God who has given him this kingdom, not only is he not acknowledging that it is God who will protect his kingdom from the enemies he's surrounded by, but now he chooses to take sacred items. King Nebuchadnezzar was the one who conquered Jerusalem, and they stole the sacred items out of the sacred temple and King Nebuchadnezzar had put them in a museum so when he would invite guests he would so these are all the sacred cups and sacred utensils that used to be in the house of the Lord come and look at all my power and majesty and this wicked king took these sacred cups filled them with old English 800 and got drunk so not only is he not acknowledging God he is desecrating what is sacred to God. So the first step for us when we stop, after we stop acknowledging God is we desecrate. What is a holy cup? Something that contains something. So now it's not cups that are holy in God's temple. It's humans that are holy in God's temple. And so the enemy wants you to desecrate yourself and not acknowledge that you are sacred. One of the things we have to start teaching young people is not that it's sex before marriage is bad, but you're sacred. As a woman, you're sacred, and you deserve a man who treats you like you're special. If you're not special, then they can desecrate the cup that God has called to be the container of the Holy Ghost. It's your sacred. It's not that you're religious, it's that you're sacred. And there's certain purposes that are sacred purposes that have to be given to people who know that they are sacred. So right before the, the, the Lord wants to bless you, the enemy will send somebody in your life to desecrate the container of what is holy, to desecrate our mindset, to desecrate our bodies. This ain't about religion, man. You, you know, you want to have a margarita? Have a margarita. I'm talking about where you getting sloppy drunk and you don't remember what you did and who you did it with. The enemy is trying to desecrate you. Trying to, no one wakes up in the morning feeling sacred and holy. And sometimes understanding that you are sacred and understanding that you are holy. And here's what I want to tell you today. If you have been walking that way and someone has tried to desecrate you, the Lord sees that. Because as soon as he desecrated those holy cups, it says suddenly they saw the fingers of a human hand writing on the plaster wall of the king's palace. There's been some excavation of the area that Babylon was, uh, was in. And when they dug, they found white plaster in an area, large amounts of white plasters. So, so archaeo, what do you say, archaeologists? Archaeologists believe people with a shovel that dug up some stuff, let me just say it the regular way, believe that they found the room that we are talking about right now. And it says, near the lampstand, the king saw himself, the king himself saw the hand as it wrote, and his face turned pale with fright, his knees knocked together in fear, and his legs gave way beneath him. 
Does this sound familiar? The king shouted for the enchanters, astrologers, and fortune tellers to be brought before him. How many times are we going to read in Daniel that the king was in trouble and shouted for someone to help him out? And they keep shouting for the wrong people over and over and over again. Come on, somebody. Maybe you that person that just said that. They only, only time they call me is when they need something. Yeah. That's part of being a Christian. Well, you want someone to call you and you don't need nothing? That's why I don't check my voicemail, by the way. Sidebar, stop leaving me voicemails. I don't check them. You know why? Because no one says anything. Hey, Julian, this is Bob. Uh, guess you're not, not around right now. So thought I'd just leave you a voicemail. Yeah. Give me a call back when you can. Sure you're on the golf course. Four. <laughs> yeah, give me a call. I, I, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. So I don't pick up my voicemail. That being said, call me when you want something. I like those calls. Like, I don't get mad anymore when someone needs something from me. I don't get mad anymore when people need financial help. I don't get mad when people need wisdom. As Christians, God is supposed to give us so much abundance that the world knows when they need help, hope, peace, faith, help, resources, they can call us. I wonder if Daniel at some point was like, oh, here they go again. They want me to interpret another dream. Daniel is 80 years old. Do you have coworkers that you have the knowledge and they come get you help from you to do your job, do their job, and you go, oh, let me come tell you again. How many times do I have to tell you this? That's, God gives us wisdom. God never gets sick and tired. We all pray to be used by God, and then when God uses us, we feel used. <laughs> they went, God, Daniel. He said to these wise men of Babylon, whoever can read this writing and tell me what it means will be dressed in purple robes of royal honor and will have a gold chain placed around his neck. He will become the third highest ruler in the kingdom. But when all the king's wise men had come in, none of them could read the writing or tell him what it meant. Does that sound familiar? Again and again, they're going to these pagan gods. They're going to these astrologers, these psychics, and nobody can tell the king what he needs to know. Verse 9 says, so the king grew even more alarmed, and his face turned pale. His nobles, too, were shaken. But when the queen mother, many believe this could have been Nebuchadnezzar's mother, um, heard what was happening, she hurried to the banquet hall. She said to Belshazzar, long live the king. Don't be so pale and frightened. There is a man in your kingdom who has within him the spirit of the holy gods. During Nebuchadnezzar's reign, this man was found to have insight, understanding, and wisdom like that of the gods. Your predecessor, the king, your predecessor, King Nebuchadnezzar, made him chief over all the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and fortune tellers of Babylon. So we see here that Nebuchadnezzar, remember, was promoted, had promoted Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar promoted Daniel. And now a new king is in place that clearly does not remember, know, or care about who Daniel is. So now Daniel is clearly not in the position he used to be in because he's lost favor with the human but still has favor with God. 
So now God has orchestrated yet again another situation where the old king needed him and the new king needed him as well. If you are at a job or in a position right now where there's someone new in charge or you're trying to get something done and someone new is there now and all of a sudden you don't have the same favor you once did, stay the course. What God has for you is for you. Because now promoted Daniel in Daniel chapter 3 is demoted Daniel in Daniel chapter 5. And now God creates a situation where demoted Daniel is getting ready to go back to promoted Daniel. And by the way, Nebuchadnezzar put him over the astrologers and he said, you're going to be third in the kingdom. So when God moves, it's always going to be more than what the devil stole from you. God's word says that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Can I prophesy over someone? God is getting ready to give you back more abundantly than what the enemy stole from you. I wish I had 30 people that could praise God in advance for what God's going to give them back. Daniel's chilling, 80 years old. Verse 13 says, so Daniel was brought in before the king. The king asked him, are you Daniel, one of the exiles brought from Judah by my predecessor, King Nebuchadnezzar? I have heard that you have the spirit of the gods within you and that you are filled with insight, understanding, and wisdom. My wise men and enchanters have tried to read the words on the wall and tell me their meaning, but they cannot do it. I'm told that you give interpretations and solve difficult problems. If you can read these words and tell me their meaning, you will be clothed in purple robes of royal honor and you will have a gold chain placed around your neck. That's, that's just my favorite. You have a gold chain placed around your neck. I wish it would have said you have a gold chain placed around your neck and I'll promote your mixtape. Like I, that's just what I think, man, like and give you a record deal. Like, I think of the part where Jay-Z used to put the rock chain on everybody. This is Daniel, like, ah, you know? You'll become the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Third highest ruler. Daniel's, I wonder if Daniel is like us where we go, okay, great, because I lost, remember, I used to be here with Nebuchadnezzar, and then I'm not feeling like I'm significant right now because the culture continues to tell you to dream big. And Daniel at this moment could have been like you and I, where here's my big opportunity. But he said, keep your gifts or give them to someone else. But I will tell you what the writing means. Keep your money, keep your gifts, keep your demonic influence. I'm still going to do what the Lord told me to do. Your majesty, the most high God, gave sovereignty, majesty, glory, and honor to your predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar. He made him so great that people of all races and nations and languages trembled before him in fear. He killed those he wanted to kill and spared those he wanted to spare. He honored those he wanted to honor and disgraced those he wanted to disgrace. But when his heart and mind were puffed up with arrogance, he was brought down from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven from human society. He was given the mind of a wild animal, and he lived among the wild donkeys. 
He ate grass like a cow, and he was drenched with the dew of heaven until he learned that the Most High God rules over the kingdoms of the world and appoints anyone he desires to rule over them. You are his successor, O Belshazzar, and you knew all of this, yet you have not humbled yourself. For you have proudly defied the Lord of heaven and have had these cups from his temple brought before you, you and your nobles and your wives and your concubines. Y'all know what a concubine is, by the way? Just checking. Anybody not know what a concubine is? It's like, you know, yeah, it's like, it's, it's, you got your wife and then you got, you know, you got your burner phone, you know. He had a burner phone and he had some, you know. I'm, yeah, I'm mad y'all know what a concubine is. Mm-hmm, I know what a concubine is. Yep. <laughs> You're just chilling here with all your women, drinking wine from them while praising gods of silver, gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Gods that neither see nor hear nor know anything at all. But you have not honored the God who gives you the breath of life and controls your destiny. So God has sent this hand to write this message. And this is the message that was written. Mene, mene, tekel, and parson. This is what these words mean. Mene means, means numbered. God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel means weighed. You have been weighed on the balances and have not measured up. Parson means divided. Your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was dressed in purple robes, a gold chain was hung around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom, not for very long, because that very night, Belshazzar, the Babylonian king, was killed. And Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. This is what this whole message is about, because I feel so strong in my spirit that people in here are looking for significance. Looking to feel worthy instead of understanding that he is worthy and who you are is more important than what you do. And here is what's interesting about this passage of scripture is it said many, 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 your days are numbered, but it said something, the Lord has weighed you. Weighed you, not measured you, weighed you. And there's somebody in here who's been really discouraged about something they feel called to do and there's not much movement. And I wanted, I want to bring up this, uh, my friend Kyle, Kyle, shout out to Kyle. Oh, I forgot my thing right here. Okay. So this is how we live our lives, even as Christians. All right, you ready? So we're like, okay, so I'm married. I love my wife. My wife loves me. Um, I, I got this calling and this purpose in the industry. Haven't booked much this year, but I'm really gifted. Every time I go on set, people, people love me. Um, I care for people. But it's just I, I need God to do something more. And you, you start to realize people have more Instagram followers than you. And so you start to do things. Maybe I'll start a podcast. Not because I feel called to start a podcast, but I feel called for people to know that I have something to say. And then if the podcast has a lot of listeners, then, then I'm, I'm doing better. 
But if nobody listens to the podcast and I'm here, oh, and then let me get in the music business or the entertainment industry, and every time I book an audition, it's here, but every time I don't book an audition, it's here. And, and culture measures you in God ways. And we spend our whole life doing things that people are measuring. We want to be like Belshazzar, where we're doing it big. This is great right here. And then one day, that's not even enough. You need more influence. You need more money. You need a bigger house. My wife and I used to drive through Toluca Lake, and we lived in Van Nuys. We used to go for walks in Toluca Lake, and we lived in Van Nuys. We didn't want to go for a walk in our neighborhood because we were dreaming big that one day the Lord would lead us to Toluca Lake so much so that one time somebody waved at us and thought we were neighbors and we said, no, we live in Van Nuys. We just dreaming big. <laughs> and I want to encourage you today that while you're dreaming big, the Lord might be asking you to dream heavy. Your character will be weighed in heaven but no 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 we just keep Lord I need a bigger church Lord I need more money Lord I need to book more stuff Lord it's never enough it's never enough it's never enough it's never enough and notice the more things I do to get measured the flimsier it gets I feel like preaching to somebody today there's, there's no there's no weight to it nothing holds it up it's drooping but it's a lot and so sometimes the Lord, to teach us character, puts us back in a season where not much is going on. Anybody been in that season? Thank you, Brother Kyle. You know, I used to be a songwriter, and I'll never forget, I was doing records with signed artists. And there's this R&B artist, Amarion, and I had wrote songs for him. And I was in this season where God had called me to ministry and I was doing things that everybody was measuring, but nothing that God was weighing. And I remember that when God called me to ministry, he stripped all of the influence in the music industry, he took everything. I'm leading Bible studies at this marketing job and the marketing job wasn't paying my bills. So I had to get a second job at the mall during the Christmas season because I was broke. And I'll never forget, I was working at a retail clothing store, retail clothing store. And what God was doing in my life was being weighed, but what I was thinking about were the things that could be measured. And I'm working in this clothing store, and R&B singer Marion came into the store, and I ran to the back and hid. Because the last time he saw me, I was a flourishing songwriter, and now I'm working in the mall. And I hid in the back room for 25 minutes, and he wouldn't leave. <laughs> so my manager said, what are you doing? You ain't on break. What are you doing back there? I was like, oh, my stomach is just hurting a little bit. So I just, you know, black people always blame stuff on the bubble guts, by the way. Yeah, I, just, I don't know what I ate. Every time we don't want to go somewhere, just, oh, my stomach's been bothering me a little bit. So I said, my stomach's been bothering me. What, nothing wrong with my stomach? Well, I need you to come out and help this customer. You got to come out. All right. I came out and so Mario. He goes, Julian. You want you here shopping? <laughs> nah. I work here. What? Man, you were so gifted. You were so talented. What happened? Yeah, man, just fell on some hard times, man. 
He was like, dang. Y'all got a 32 in these? <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I've never been so humiliated in my entire life. And I went back there and got him a 32. He's in the dressing room like, think, man, these are a little tight. Like, y'all got a 31? No, we don't carry a 31. Oh, all right, man. Rang him up at the register. I was so embarrassed. But I was being weighed. And the Lord shrank my measuring tape because at the end of the day, he calls believers to the scale. And he says, while you worried about how many people is watching your podcast, while you worried about how many auditions you book or how many followers you have, I want to know, do you love your spouse? While you worried about getting promoted and making sure that everything is big, I'm worried, do you show up on time to work because you have character? Uh, do you, do you, 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 you're doing it real big. But do you actually believe when I give you the word of the Lord that I will do what I said I will do? See, we get off the scales of heaven to participate in the measuring tape of culture. I will never pass up an opportunity to say it again. Matter of fact, somebody make a t-shirt. We're going to sell it out front called Say It Again because I will put that bad boy on repeat. I said, <laughs> we get off the scales of heaven for the measuring tape of culture. And when you're on the scales of heaven where God is weighing your character, weighing who you are, what did he tell Belshazzar? You've been weighed and you're lightweight. but we're being measured by people and weighed by God in every season of life. And are you giving up what God weighs for what people measure? Because at the end of the day, you really don't feel called to music. You feel called for people to know you're called to music. Because if you just felt called to music, you'd be happy making music. You don't really feel called to acting. You, you feel called to people to know that you're an actress. Because why don't you just act in some little preschool play down at the community center if you just feel called to acting. No, you don't. You feel called to be known for it. And you feel be called to be known by people on earth and God does not know you. I... You've gotten off the scales of heaven to get on the measuring tape. Now here is what's crazy. Daniel never got off the scale of heaven and the scales of culture were brought to him. So it's both and. But don't get off the scale. Because people offer you something you can measure. The Lord is weighing your faith. He's weighing your commitment. He's weighing the grace that you give and receive. He's weighing your power to forgive. He's weighing your motives. Proverbs 21.2 says this. A person may think their own ways are right, but the Lord weighs the heart. 1 Samuel 2.3. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows, and by him actions and deeds are weighed. 2 Corinthians 4.17, and I'm preaching to somebody who's been in a dark season. 
it says for these light and momentary troubles, he calls the things we're going through light, are achieving for us. Your problems are doing something for you. Your struggles are doing something for you. They're helping work you out and get you spiritually, emotionally strong for the glory that God is bringing into your life. It says, I'm gonna read it again, because did nobody say, say that again? I'm gonna tell myself, say it again. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that outweighs them all. The good thing God wants to do will outweigh the bad thing you're going through now. So here's what it looks like. Oasis Church, the Holy Spirit has got you in the gym right now and you're on the weight bench and the Holy Spirit is slapping plates on each side. One plate is trials. One plate is being overlooked. One plate is feeling forgotten. Another plate is a financial burden. And then he puts the clip on it and slams it shut. Then on the other end, he adds betrayal. On the other end, he adds um, you, you having not feeling like you're moving forward. He just adds all these troubles and trials. And he puts you on the weight bench of your issues and your challenges with the Holy Spirit as your spotter. And he helps you lift the weight because it is working out with troubles that prepares you to carry the glory of the Lord in your life. I came to prophesy over somebody today the good things that God wants to bring into your life way more than the bad things. So he needs some Christians who can praise God on the scale while they're not being measured in culture to continue to praise and worship the Lord. I wish I had a hundred people that said I'm not getting off the scale. God, you can weigh my peace. God, you can weigh my faith. God, you can weigh my hope. God, you can weigh my forgiveness. God, you can weigh my faithfulness. God, you can weigh my character. God, you can weigh me standing on the word of the Lord. I will not quit. I will not give up. And when I fall, I will be resurrected because the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. I wish I had a hundred people to give God a mighty shot of praise in the house. I'm not ready. I ain't done. I didn't read the last scripture. One more scripture. 2 Corinthians 3.17 verse 18 says this. Now where the Lord is the Spirit, the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom to do what? Not freedom to do what you want. Freedom with unveiled faces to contemplate the Lord's glory. Freedom to, in every season, free to think about the goodness of God. And we're being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory. You know what that word glory means in the Bible? Ever-increasing weight. So you are free to shed your life of things that people measure and add to your life 
the things that heaven weighs. I wish somebody would just, now you can come get it, because I feel like preaching to somebody who you've been measuring your life and you're not feeling good enough. You've been measuring your finances and you feel poor, but you are rich in spirit. The Bible says, blessed are those who are poor in spirit and acknowledge their need for God. You are blessed. Somebody shout blessed. The enemy wants you to think you're cursed because you don't have what people follow on Instagram. You don't have what people celebrate, but you have something. Right now, heaven is rejoicing over your life. And I know people aren't clapping, but there are angels clapping over your life. To every mama this week who made a lunch, the angels are clapping. To every dad who woke up early with his kids, the angels are clapping. To everybody who showed up and work on time, the angels are clapping. To somebody who had four hours of sleep, caring for their family, the angels are clapping. For someone who stayed planted in the church, even though the church hurt you, even though the pastor overlooked you, heaven is clapping. I'm tired of doing things people clap for and heaven is silent about. I prophesy over you, whatever you do, wherever you go, make sure heaven is clapping. Who am I preaching to today? Give God a shout of praise in the house of the Lord. Get out of the aisles if you have to. Shout to God like he is good. He is increasing his glory in this house. He is giving you things that heaven is weighing. People forgot about you, but the Bible says the Lord will never forsake you. I wish somebody would just praise the Lord right now. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share with a friend. To join us on the journey of being present, connected, and generous, visit oasisla.org slash connect. We love you so much and we'll see you soon.